Hi, welcome to the Theta Game Podcast, the official podcast at ThetaGame.com. I'm your host, Junie, and thanks for tuning in. These are only my opinions and anything said in this podcast The future podcast should not be considered financial advice. Thank you. Okay, uh, just jumping into one of the earnings uh, that we had this week. Uh, Nike reported uh, and is down about 13% for the, for the week. Uh, this is due to what I see on the internet uh, due to supply chains, uh, but then also just having too much inventory. So Nike understood that they had a lot of supply chain issues, and what they did was they ordered a bunch of things uh, at one time, and those bunch of things came in too quickly. And at that same time, when everyone was worried about supply chains, uh, inflation became a bigger deal. And therefore, the consumer spending went down, and now they're stuck with all this inventory. Um, on top of that, in line with other companies that do business overseas, the dollar being stronger uh, will impact um, revenue brought in from outside of the United States. And some companies have 30% to 60% of the revenue like out, coming from outside the United States. Uh, how that works is when the dollar gets strong, um, you would think that that's like good for like American businesses. Um, and while that might be true for those that like maybe solely operate in the uh, United States, uh, international companies like Nike that's far reaching, have a huge moat, um, what they do is like say for example, your, one of your biggest markets might be in China. You sell shoes in China and then when you want to like reap your profits or reap your rewards, you have to convert that back to the dollar, or in this case, the strong dollar. So you spend uh, whatever the currency is in China, and you have to convert it to the now stronger dollar. You're now getting less dollars for that other currency. So you're seeing some of that offset some of the pro- profits from outside the country, uh, and that's not exclusive to only Nike. So this is going to put a lot of pressure on a lot of companies that will be reporting within maybe, I don't know, like these next two months. This seems to be like a very consistent um, focal point for a lot of articles I've been reading just about uh, earnings and such, um, but it makes sense. Um, Michael Burry uh, also has another article that I kind of want to summarize and talk about. But before talking about that specific article, I do want to talk about how Michael Burry did mention that we're going to start seeing multiple shrink, um, aka like the premium uh, that we pay for, you know, future growth of the company. Uh, some can view it as like the PE ratio or the price to earnings ratio of a company, which is the stock's price over the amount of earnings that it currently brings in. Um, I mean. Yeah, I, I mean, I just had to pull it up. NVIDIA's P&E ratio or price to earnings ratio back in, it was like highest, like November 24th, 2021. It's It was in the triple digits. It was 100.61, which is crazy. Uh, it is now at 39.82. 40 is around the area where i've just seen nvidia be at like the longest the price to earnings ratio is one of my favorite metrics i've been following it like probably 
since maybe the first year I ever knew, learned about stocks. I just really like how simple it is to calculate uh, and it just makes a lot of sense to me. More veteran people stray away from price earnings ratios because it's too overgeneralized. But uh, that's that's just me. I just like making over sumptuous uh, assumptions <laughs> uh, about a stock's intrinsic value. Price to earnings ratio is good enough for me uh, as long as I understand that the company makes money. But uh, I digress. 40 is an average for NVIDIA, which it's at right now. Um, but there's a lot of downward pressure just in the market. Um, and there's a lot of bad press. Right now about nvidia's new 40 series graphics cards so just kind of seeing you know what's going to be taking place um in, regarding like market share and amd and how they're also positioned um, with their new lineup it's going to be interesting like i can't quite say like i enjoy trading nvidia as much as uh, amd right now just solely with my like actions and my trade logs I obviously have a bias towards AMD right now. Um, you know, I think Nvidia has been like the like the I guess the the punching bag almost of just you know tanking all the China news too. Because although the banning of graphics cards being sold to China affected AMD, I felt like Nvidia really took the blunt of it, and at least from the media. Um, Anywho, uh, NVIDIA is still the leader in uh, performance. There, it, it's I want to say like it's close when it comes to their high-end cards versus AMD's cards, but it really isn't. But you're also paying uh, an arm and a leg for NVIDIA, especially since they raised their, their prices for this, this time around. Um, but you do your due diligence there. Uh, semiconductors have, or semiconductor stocks have become a lot less cool uh, than they were before but you know i've just traded them for so long um and so i guess like uh purely that like i it's hard for me to really invest in anything else because i don't know chips make a lot of sense uh to me as like a future product that will be here for the long run and enables us to like continue innovating and do things that are really cool uh, but who knows, maybe we start looking at like Target and Walmart and retail making a comeback because uh, that's also an, another uh, interesting play. But before I go on a tangent, I guess I also want to talk about uh, Michael Burry's, uh, the other article that I was kind of mentioning before. So a lot of different articles um, talk about how Michael Burry is like issuing a warning about a permanent decline uh, referring to like employment um, and how all the layoffs are happening right now multiples are getting co uh, not compounded but what's the opposite uh, shrunk or they're decompressing um, white collar jobs are uh, the first ones to go and I guess this is more or less like me telling you about this article and I have like plenty of time today just because um, I have like the apartment to myself and I'm about to get McDonald's. So I'm like in a really, really good mood. Uh, so I'm just going to I'm going to talk my mouth off today. Uh, but Michael Burry um, said that uh, white collar jobs uh, are going to be diminishing. Uh, they're going to be going down and 
I'm reading that, and I think, like, to me, that just makes a lot of sense. So, you know, when I think about Google or Facebook or any of these really big tech companies, I think about how some of them, like, just hire really smart people to contain them. Really, like, just they hire as many smart people as they can. That are just smart. Maybe they don't execute well, or maybe they don't do much. But as long as they have the smart people, it keeps the smart people from working somewhere else that could potentially, like, uh, compete with them and whatnot. Because they just have dumb amounts of money to spend. Those types of people um, that don't have much impact, but are maybe really smart, or maybe not. Maybe not really smart. Uh, but just really important, like the ones that don't make that much impact will be like the first to go. And it just it's making a lot of sense to me as like layoffs are happening. And um, what I got to say is if you're in an environment where, um, you know, like what, how, what's the best way I could say this? Doing the things that other people don't want to do is like the best way to have job security but also i find it the most the like the best times where i personally grow in my like career like outside of you know like theta gang related stuff so you know it means like writing documentation asking the questions that feel really stupid when you ask them but you know you get dms on you know slack or discord whatever you use and they're like, wow, I had that question too. Thanks for asking. And you're like, no problem. It's it's those moments that give you a lot of job security because it shows that you care enough to get something clarified. And it shows that you're willing to do the grunt work or dirty work and uh, because you're willing to do things that no one else wants to do. Those two things probably are going to be my saving grace for whatever happens. I have no clue where the economy is going they're like this is definitely different than say like the COVID crash where i thought the world was ending i don't think the world is ending now but like hearing about layoffs and all all of these things happen to people that are so close to me uh is affecting me differently than it has like ever because in 08 all my friends were in high school middle school i think i was in i think i was in middle school no i was in no i was in high school for sure yeah i mean point is they didn't have jobs so i couldn't be like oh yeah you lost a job or blah blah, blah or she lost this it's it's it didn't really affect me but now you know as we're going downwards um it's i i, I feel it it's like i feel bad and uh, I just would love to pass on some words of wisdom to those that are listening right now because, you know, you're giving me time out of your day and I hope that I leave some lasting impression as you get out of your car and then you go into your work day is don't be afraid to do the stuff that no one else wants to do uh, and always ask the stupid questions because it's not going to make you look like you're stupid. Like just straight up, it's gonna show that you care enough to ask to get clarity, and you want to do it right, so you just ask anyway. Because I've managed teams um, plenty before, and I've never, you know, thought like, "Oh man, why is this person asking this question?" It's so it's so obvious or it's so simple. 
I always pay particular attention to like, wow, okay, they actually care enough. They're not just like camera off, mic is muted, and they just like peace out. They like they're like genuinely interested. It stands out. Um, but then I can also hear people, you know, listening to this saying like, oh man, well if you think you know doing the stuff that no one else wants to do is gonna get you a promotion, then you know blah 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 this, or you should, um, or maybe you're not so cynical, but you say like. Oh, you know, you should have time for yourself and make sure you're not overstressed and don't do things that are too, like too out of your way. And I agree, I fully agree with that actually. But these days, especially if you work from home, I think it's really easy to like just do the bare minimum, which is okay. But like there is some urgency that should be had if you're like trying to still grow within your career. I don't know, this is just kind of the stuff that I've been kind of battling with is that I feel like in my um, last job I got to a point where I was kind of doing the not bare minimum but I, I'm usually like a really hard like worker um, but I, f I found myself not being that hard worker that I was near the tail end of my employment there but now I'm in a new place and I'm just thinking like whoa man I I am deep in the trenches again I'm going at it I'm learning so much and I can just only feel like grateful that I am in a place that I really like being at. I love the people. Uh, I love the stuff that I'm working on. My managers are great. Uh, I feel like my work-life balance is awesome. And uh, yeah, it, it, it's weird. It, it is a weird feeling, uh, loving work, because it's, um, it's taken for granted, I think. So let let that be let that be something to be grateful for today is like if you're going to work today and you're not dreading it and you're excited to see your coworkers then i'd say that's a huge win anyway uh, michael burry ends with uh that he thinks in the long term working from home would be blamed for the deteriorating uh employment situation uh what this article doesn't really clarify is his like tone i suppose it's like does burry blame the worker um as in like is it because people are more like lazy when they're working from home do they get less stuff done when they're working from home um or does he blame it on the employer by not having the employer be as flexible so if people are wanting to work from home uh, that they can't work at uh, several companies because they just need to work at home or they just have a very strong preference for home. Therefore, companies are need to be more flexible, but they say that they can't. Therefore, also increasing unemployment. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Another bit of news that we got this week, uh, we got to see the core uh, PCE number, or just don't worry about what the acronym stands for. Just understand it's the uh, inflation number that we get with the CPI report, um, but minus energy uh, and food because of those that uh, fluctuate a lot. So it's just, it's just an easier way for the Fed to track inflation, I suppose. Um, that grew by 0.6 um, in August, which is not a good thing because we're definitely looking for the number to start going down, but rather we just got it reported going up so that's not good. That just means that the Fed will continue to have to be aggressive and continue to raise rates. 
um, and that's just going to put more downward pressure on the market. And speaking uh, of the market, uh, SPY or the S&P 500 closed below 360. Um, it closed at 357.92, which is really low. <laughs> and I, some people are like, duh, wow, Junie, of course that's really low. I'm just like looking at 360 from what I just know on top of my head without like looking into it more. I'm looking into it now as you can kind of hear me clicking. But um, 360 was like the support, right? Like that I was, why, why was I looking at 360 before? I was looking at 360. Oh, okay, so that falls on the 200 SMA. It's already breached the 200 EMA, so that's already saying a lot. Volume on the weekly is has picked up. So in the last, like, this is the most amount of volume that we've had and with increasing volume since June. So this is, that's not particularly, particularly good. You typically want to see volume start to slow down as we head lower, but this looks very ripe for us to gap down. But I don't know, the market is doing some really crazy stuff to, uh, to traders that right now try and time the market. Um, but yeah, we're below 360, which, oh yeah, because that was also the previous low. So yeah, we're below June lows. That is, that is something. Yeah, I didn't get much of a chance to look at the market today. I'm recording this, by the way, on... Fr Wait, what day is it today? No, today's Saturday. Holy moly, I almost thought... Wait. Oh, no, it is... Okay, today is... Whoa! Today is... <laughs> today is Friday, but it's midnight, so it's Saturday. Right now it's 12.06. I started recording this at, like, 10. Oh, my goodness. I do so many takes because I just go on so many random tangents that I would normally keep in at like the end of the episode, but I not, it's not for the main stuff. Anyway, um, yeah, SPY closing down below 360, that's not usually a good thing. We haven't seen that since June. 350 looks like where there was previous resistance with like a triple top. Yeah. And then looking at QQQ, QQQ is at 267. That is nuts. But the pre-COVID high is 236. So that's not bad. Or like 237. That's not bad at all. Um... Spies or S&P's pre-COVID highs 338. So we're not all too far away from pre-COVID highs. I mean, really, it's really hard to argue just negating all that liquidity we injected, all that growth we had over the two years and all the different fields that used to never matter. But now that everyone has computers now that care about computers, need to eventually upgrade their computer, which is like a whole new audience of you know consumers. It's just like that type of thinking that kind of gets you into it. Like maybe people didn't shop at Costco before, but now there's like two years of growth for Costco that we're just gonna totally discount. And obviously I'm being biased because like these are the companies that I'm talking about that I've previously been invested in, but I talk about them because that's those are the ones I know the most, so. 
Um, Pre-COVID highs, I think that's what everyone's going to be looking for. Um, the two main like ideas I have in my head are either it's not going to get there because people are going to be too antsy and willing to buy it, um, meaning it'll maybe like settle a little bit above the um, the pre-COVID high, or because everyone's expecting, and this is where the oogla-booga comes in, or maybe it's because everyone's expecting um, uh, everyone to just buy from the pre-COVID high, or when it gets eventually gets down there again, that maybe it even um, dips lower than that by a good margin, and uh, you know, then that becomes like some sort of like bull trap. Or I'm just thinking about all these nurse scenarios. Maybe it breaches for like a day or for like an hour, and there's like a major, major sell-off uh, in like the last hour of it reaching the bottom after it reached breaching the uh, COVID pre-COVID highs, and we just have a massive bull rally from there. Right now, I'm just getting delusional, but that's all possible. Um, you know, if you told me like, hey, there's no way that can happen, but then you give me an alternative, you know, uh, uh, alternative that can possibly happen, I'd say that one is equally as impossible too. This market is crazy. I've never traded uh, in an environment like this. Um, I've I've traded in like the like I mentioned it all the time. October 2018. I do. I remember that. I remember that being crazy, but I don't remember it lasting this long though. Uh, like nowhere near as this long. Let me just like quickly look back to that to that time frame. I just wanna, I just need to see like how long was that from September twenty eighteen. Yeah, September to December. That's like three months. This has lasted like three times longer than that so yeah this this is this definitely is like the longest bear market i've ever taken part of uh but it's fun i'm ha i'm learning a lot i'm learning that patience really is key i'm definitely also for those that don't know uh if you go to thetagang.com uh slash juni you would know you would already know that i have um amd shares uh with a covered call on it or maybe you wouldn't know that I have specifically a covered call, um, but you would know that uh, I have 100 shares. I put a little note there that AMD defended the 66 price pretty well, like three times. And so I went in and, and then I did an immediate buy right, which is like buying the shares and immediately selling the covered call. And that has been working out pretty well for me so far. Uh, one of the main points in chat that we've been like kind of discussing uh on the twitch stream is why you would buy the shares and then immediately sell the cover call versus uh selling the cash to gear put like for example uh, because of my buy right that i did or aka buying the shares and selling the cover call i could immediately take the profit on the cover call uh and then roll that down or you know buy or, or aka sell another one sorry didn't mean to use the word buy but rather just sell or write another one um, whereas if I just wrote a cash secured put especially one out the money I would just be red on the trade and I would be stuck so I would just be at the whim of the market having watching it go down 
and then becoming more and more red. Whereas if I just continue to sell covered calls, I can close the covered call for a green and then sell another covered call or do other cool things where, you know, I'm buying another hundred shares and then selling like two covered calls at the same time. Um, you know, and you know, people will mention like, why don't you just sell the cash secured put like the out the money cash secured put? Um, I usually rebuttal with like, you receive more premium uh, by selling the covered call right now at the money uh, than you do selling the out the money put. I do also think that that's probably true in a lot of instances in time. Uh, I don't want to say that's always the case just in case if there's some like rogue event. But in most cases, you're going to receive, especially when it comes to selling options, you're going to receive more premium for something at the money. If you sell a cash secured put at the money, you receive a good amount of premium. The thing is, it's inflexible. Like if you want to exit that trade for a red, you literally just lose and you lose your money and you realize your losses and that's it. The other way, if you buy your shares, write the covered call and then the stock goes down, you can close your covered call for green and then rotate those or roll those or have whatever you want to do with those. Uh, clo AKA close them and then open up new ones. AKA taking profits and then opening up new ones to make more profits on. Um, now in a environment or a macro environment or a stock market that is going down, that we suspect to go down, I would love to cap my profits in exchange for more protection, right? Like I'm not trying to like finesse the bottom. I don't need to catch the cash secured put premium right at the bottom and have the market bounce and I make a 50% trigger trade or something like that. I'm not looking for those trades right now. I'm looking for a good entry that I feel very confident in that I know that I'll be getting a really great deal on. So therefore, I'll buy the shares outright, I'll sell an at the money covered call because it gives me a, a good chunk of change. Um, like for example, the cash, the original cash, or the original covered call that I wrote, uh, let, let me just, this is real data. Uh, I got $296 for writing a uh, covered call for seven days. Um, and that was awesome. Uh, and then I made 200 bucks on that one because I sold it back um, for 96 bucks. Uh, and then capitalized on getting, a, you know, realizing 200 bucks on that trade. And then just open another one for 258 bucks and then maybe exit this one at 50% or whatever. But anyway, uh, me getting a large chunk of premium uh, caps my gains because I've, again, a cover call, you sell it and you promise to um, sell it if it reaches that strike price. Um, if I receive 296 bucks for writing cover call, that means the stock or an at, for an at the money cover call it means the stock could go up two dollars and ninety six cents, um, and then anything over that I won't make money on. But I can make up to two hundred ninety six bucks. What I don't think people realize when they're asking themselves if they want to, um, you know, uh, sell a covered call or you know sell cash secured put. Right now is not the time to make the most amount of money possible. If anything, right now is the time to kind of invest 
slowly as the market's going down if you truly believe that the market always goes up you know we all like those tweets but uh right now is a time where you really want to be confident with your entries you want good entries you want um you know to be able to collect as much premium as you can in a safe and like in the safest way that you can and i just don't think there's a better way to collect premium safer uh, than covered calls I would gladly cap my gains at $296 if it meant that if the trade continued to go down, I would make $296 at least on that part of the trade rather than um, you know, risking myself being stuck in a trade for an uh, undisclosed period of time for whatever the date to expiration is on a cash secured put. Anyway, um, th these are just my opinions uh, and my preferences. Uh, I think that there's probably more than a handful of people that are making cash secured puts cash secured puts work out for them somehow uh, it's, it's a tricky thing to do um, and I, I don't know I just rather collect more premium up front and have my entries be better at the cost of capping my gains because I'm not interested in making the amount, most amount of gains possible but anyway 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 um, yeah, just be careful who you are listening to, especially like, you know, me to, as well. Like, I'm not the best trader in the world. I just for all intents and purposes, I am just I'm just gonna say how much I'm down for the year. I'm down fourteen thousand two hundred ninety dollars and six cents on a like hundred ninety seven k portfolio. So, um. You know, I'm not the perfect trader, but I do think I'm navigating this environment pretty well so far. So we'll just see how this plays out. Um, I would hope that I get assigned, um, my cover call assigned, and I have no shares uh, at the end of next week. But we will see. Maybe the market gaps down on Monday and it becomes ultra scary. Or because we're, you know, we close at the bottom of a support maybe there are so many people that bought puts at the end of uh this trading session that uh the market's gonna bounce and be the biggest bull trap ever we'll see <laughs> i'm just i'm just sitting on the sidelines uh kind of reading wall street bets a little bit more than normal now because i like uh i've been liking the content that's been on there not the not the bed bath and beyond stuff but i mean I just read I just read this uh, post about how um, this this trader's father passed away and left them with a hundred k and then they basically lost it all already and I'm just thinking like man man I still got work to do if there's still people thinking that you know a hundred k can't get them well started in a like a I don't know, a responsible matter. I don't know how I'm gonna deliver the content, but I mean, someone has to do it. Um, who knows, maybe it's TikTok. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, uh, I don't read those and then get happy that they lost money because that, that is really sad, uh, first of all. And you, you guys all know how I feel about um, when people like lose money and stuff. Like it's not a good feeling and I don't want you to ever feel like you can't ever make it back or you can't recover from it because you definitely can. Um, but I like reading those just because I understand that like the problem's also not fixed and that's kind of where I get a lot of my drive from. 
is that like if there's a problem and I can help solve it, even if it's with my like small little site or small little podcast, then there's something that I can improve on that, you know, this isn't reaching them in some way or another. Yeah. Anyway, happy Friday night. Uh, it is 12.23 a.m. My eyes are like, 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 um, not twitching, but you know when you're getting like really sleepy and then like one of your eyes get really hard to stay open? Like that, that thing is kind of happening to me right now. But I'm also starving. And so I'm going to drive over to a McDonald's and then maybe that'll wake me up. Um, anyway, uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, I appreciate everyone that, um, that takes the time out of their day to, you know, give me a few minutes of their time. Um, for those that are checking in, my parents are doing, uh, great. My, uh, stepdad's doing aqua therapy now for his neuropathy because his diabetes got kind of like out of control, but that's somewhat under control now. It sounds like he's doing aqua therapy and he's like, or He's definitely doing aqua therapy, and it sounds like he's enjoying it. So that's good, now, now that he's getting into more of a routine. My mom is doing great. Her favorite meal has been like Chipotle. So I've been buying her like monthly like $200 Chipotle gift cards. Um, and uh, just, you know, I, I don't know. Like, I feel good because I, I, I'm, I, like, responsible with my money. I, like, pay all my debt. And so, like, when I get chances to, like, pay back people for the things that they've done for me, whether it be, like, a dinner, lunch, or, like, you know, taking care of my parents, like, I don't know. The fact that I can just do stuff like that for my parents um, and then also, I don't know, like, buy my mom face masks when she needs them. Um, what else? What oh, like skin skincare stuff. Um, you know, maybe for my stepdad, it's like uh, Packers gear or Green Bay Packers gear and stuff. It it's just a it's a blessing of how everything turned out. And I, dude, if you asked me, like, what your life, what my life, what I thought my life would be like at this age right now, it is, when I was, like, in college, I would have never guessed, guessed this. I feel so lucky, um, to just be able to do the things I do, work from home, work on something that I really like to do, uh, be, like, pretty okay at the thing that I like to do, you know, like, coding. I don't say that, like, I'm really good, but I, like, just think that I'm, like, pretty decent, um, the hobbies I've picked up and the things that keep me out of trouble, but oh man, like it is, it's nice. Life is nice. Despite all the news that's in the media and all the stuff that has happened to like me, my mental, my physical, but also like my parents and all that stuff. I don't know. Like you all, or most of you have listened you know, to my podcast where sometimes I feel super happy. I'm all the way up in the sky and sometimes I'm really not feeling it. But with, with all that time and all the times I've showed up just to record, push the record button and just go, I always feel good when I do it. And I'm grateful that I have a platform to speak to people that care 
and um, yeah, this is your message for the week to be grateful for the things that you do have because just listening to this podcast alone I think is a is like a privilege not because of my content specifically of course not but like the fact that you're able to listen to a podcast on the internet and probably a car that you are able to drive and because not only because you go afford one because you have two hands and two legs and all these other great things that you have going on so be grateful i know i am uh, but it's also okay to be sad sometimes life isn't always supposed to be happy uh, but it has its peaks and valleys right now is definitely a a higher valley for me i guess i wouldn't say i'm i'm peaking <laughs> but i'd say the valley is pretty pretty elevated um thank you all for listening i'll see you all next week and stop by for the twitch uh live stream as well at twitch.tv slash real gang thank you so much have a fantastic week bye-bye this episode is brought to you by uh, my patrons. I want to say thank you to AG, Arfman, Avrilian, BJ, Kim, Can't Make Money, IRL, Chicken Dinner, Empty Cans, Fancy Wolf, Froggy Fresh Trades, Grandpa 95, Jay-Z, and Kaput, Lazy Reservist, Leo Jetson, Lord Skeletor, Maestro XZ, Maltman, 1856, McFly, Mimimit, M. Hayden, MacD, Mitch87, Mods, Mr. Integrity, Mr. Sneezy, Pastor Bedtime, Pocket Change, Rooster, Restier, Seneca, Shifty, Slow motion, statistically random symmetrics, the gesture, theta rate, upstream puddle, Vlad TC, and it's 88. Thank you so much, and bye-bye.